It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. I'd nearly say Joel Selwoods was more deliberate. That's Just ridiculous. Ago. That's ridiculous. Must force them long down the line here. Yeah. And the Demons still have a sniff. So Guthrie is going to be forced up the line. Very, very close. That might drift it's out. Kicked out of it has. On the so Melbourne have got one. And it's 50. Chance. It's oh 50 against goodness. close for punching the ball. Once to put it to the top of the square. He keeps it low. Goal! Oh! And he's got it! Big Max has got it! Set he's play. going to kick after the siren. Set play. Gone on a dramatic Saturday. Can you believe it? He has played a magnificent game, the captain. It's a slow build-up. Now the little skip. Max to win, and he's done it! Melbourne have come off the canvas! It's one of the great comebacks. 32 points down at three-quarter time, and Melbourne have won it after the siren to finish top of the table. Unbelievable! Melbourne home by four points. How about that? <laughs> what a dramatic Saturday of footy. <laughs> I think when you know, we played Geelong, um, the games over the last few years have been incredibly tight, and once again, it's you know one v two on the ladder. So. It's exciting. Um, it feels like a final. Um, our players are looking forward to it. There's a lot of excitement around the group and a lot of energy this week. So uh, we can't wait for the, for the challenge ahead. It's uh, no bigger challenge to head down to Geelong and play uh, them down on their home ground. And we're looking forward to it. Oh, I think it's you know, just a part of our season that you know, these are the opportunities that you look forward to, to play against some really high-quality footy teams. And no doubt Brisbane were one of those a few weeks ago. And once again, we get a great challenge again down in Geelong. And um, we look forward to these challenges because you get a great audit on your game. You get a great audit where you sit as a footy club. And um, you know, we'll certainly get that tomorrow night. We'll, we'll get a good look at where we sit, how we're tracking, and, and where we need to improve. <laughs> yeah, we're embracing it. It's a big game. There's, there's no doubt about that. We've, we've got no intention of running away from the fact that it's a big occasion, uh, that we've got high expectations. We acknowledge we're playing the best team in the comp over the last period of time. We're not exactly sure how long um, they've had that mantle, but they certainly have it at the moment, top spot for a reason. Uh, we're, we're really excited about what we can bring. Um, but without overplaying as well, I don't think it is sort of sort of knockout game or anything. It's not as if um, the side that loses won't be able to dust themselves off. But uh, we constantly talk about the fact that it's a privilege to play in these big games, and you need to do a lot of work and get a lot of things right to earn the right to um, sort of the right 
of admission, I guess. Um, so that, that's sort of where we are at the moment to this point in the season. Feel privileged to be there um, and really keen to embrace the expectation and, and go after it. So the stage is set. Welcome to the Macca's Run. Uh, great to have your company. Hope your day has been as good as it possibly can be, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. Uh, wonderful to have you on board right around the country, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us on the SEN network. We heard round 23 last year, 40 points down at half time. Melbourne surged back and Max Gorn, the hero, Simon Goodwin uh, and Chris Scott as we build up to the biggest home and away clash of the year. We maybe had a bit of a false start with Melbourne and Brisbane a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, but now we get two massive contenders, the reigning premiers and a team that feels like it's hasn't quite lived up to its potential final after final appearance over the last decade. Uh, this is shaping up to be a final seven weeks out from finals. So to have a chat to us about it, and his phone keeps dropping out on us, uh, unfortunately. Matty Stokes was ready and raring to go to jump on with us, but we'll just try and get him back up uh, and on the line. But love to hear from you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Uh, plenty to get through from a news point of view today. The Macca's run is you having your say on the news of the day as we catch you up on everything that's making news in the world of sport over the last 24 hours, and there's plenty to do there. All right, we've got Matty Stokes up Short here, Matty. 10-second message after the time. No, it's not. That's his voicemail. Uh, that's okay. We will roll on through and uh, try and get him up as quick as we can. Um Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. of course, is that the temper text, temper, uh, a mattress like no other. Um, so plenty to talk about uh, in the world of sport. And isn't it great? Uh, best laid plans in radio. This is the joys of live radio. So plenty uh, to talk about when it comes to Melbourne and Geelong. Uh, there's a massive night at Wimbledon coming up tonight uh, as well. We'll talk about all of that. Your say on the news of the day, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. as we're trying to re-establish our connection with Matty Stokes, who was going to be our special guest straight off the top of the show, just to give us a preview of what to expect from tomorrow night. Um, why don't we go through some other things while we're still trying to get him up uh, to have a chat. Um, last night at the tribunal, Eric Hipwood, uh, the AFL were looking for a two-match suspension if the tribunal found his actions intentional uh, in the collision with Ryan Gardner and then the umpire being taken out as a result of that, they wanted a week if it was deemed to be careless. In the end, the tribunal found careless, uh, but they fined him $2,500. Luke Hodge, who was uh, the person that released the behind-the-goals footage um, that may have uh, played a very big inf- uh, may have played a very big role in Eric Hipwood being, um, well, not found not guilty. He was found guilty of careless conduct, but... Uh, not being suspended at the tribunal. Has that vision showed that Ryan Gardner was indeed the one that initiated the contact? This was Luke Hodge speaking to Sam Edmund earlier today. I'm actually happy with the result last night, as you would probably expect, but not the fact that uh, I was a former teammate of, of Hipwood, but the fact there was too many things that were unsure of. Like There was too many things I had to look at from, for them to definitely say that he pushed he deliberately pushed um, Gardner into the umpire. I think at the, at the time that Gardner made contact with Hipwood, the umpire was on his right-hand side and Hipwood tried to push him to the left. So you slow it down. And I think what well, under the tribunal, they, uh, they obviously still they want to make a stand about umpires and respect for umpires and making sure they're safe in the game. 
Um, but there was too many questionable things that you could suspend a kid for that. So that was Luke Hodge, um, and there's been a lot discussed in regards to that decision today. And a lot of people who have got quite upset about that not being a suspension today as well. People getting um, quite irate um, and, and with good intention, wanting to make sure that we are protecting the umpires, that we are doing everything we can to look after them and make their work safe as spa- uh, workspace as safe as it possibly can be. Um, so I thought that I would actually take it upon myself to, to give the Umpires Association boss, Rob Kerr, a call today. And we had a, 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 a long chat on my drive in today uh, from an umpire's perspective uh, about the Eric Kipwood incident uh, with Ryan Gardner and the umpire involved and then the findings at the tribunal last night. So I spoke to Rob Kerr and, and from what he told me that based on the initial vision, the umpires were keen on having this go up to the tribunal and have that situation explained as they don't want to see occurrences like that. They do want the umpires to be safe uh, as possible and they don't want to find situations where players may look be trying to exploit an advantage by using the umpires as a shield or a way to shepherd uh, or a way to get separation. So that's something that they don't want to be brought in because that does create situations that can go pear-shaped and can be quite dangerous. Once they saw the behind the goals vision, though, they were far more comfortable with what had occurred, according to Rob. They were still keen for it to go up and still keen for Eric Kipwood to clarify what had gone on and what was happening from his point of view. But since the decision, Rob Kerr, who's the, uh, the, the CEO of the Umpires Association, he hasn't had one complaint from an umpire. And from his point of view, they are satisfied with the outcome. So no complaints, satisfied with the outcome. Therefore, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Therefore, we should be too. And they aren't precious, the umpires. They know that this is a 360-degree game that has 36 players on the field and um, Three umpires as well, boundary umpires, goal umpires. Sooner or later, bodies are gonna bodies are going to bodies are going to collide. And uh, sorry, we're just uh, getting our phone service sorted out here. Uh, bodies are going to collide, um, and as long as everyone has exercised the appropriate duty of care and shown the appropriate respect for each other, then that is part and parcel of the game. Umpires, they don't need to be babied. They, they appreciate people's concern and they, they appreciate the support, but they understand that accidents are going to happen out on a 360-degree game field, uh, and this is just one of them, and that's all it is, and that should be time to move on. Um, so I've spoken to the Umpires Association boss, and they are satisfied. So I think, given that they are, that we should be too. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Uh, I'm told we have Matty Stokes up on the line. Matty, hello, are you there? I'm here, thank you. Hey, there he is, mate. Uh, very good to have you on board. Uh, appreciate you making the time for us. Um, as a two-time uh, premiership player with the Cats, uh, I know that you still keep a very close eye on them and, and, and every team uh, in, the, uh, in the sphere of AFL at the moment. So a few couple of weeks ago, we had a, a genuine blockbuster 1v2. It may have been slightly anticlimactic as Melbourne just put Brisbane to the sword in a way that uh, no other team had. And in, in and frankly, it was quite frightening in its brutality. What are your expectations for this game? Because both teams come in in very good form. Um, they, they both look in really, really strong touch. How excited are you for this game tomorrow night? 
Uh, I'm very excited for two reasons. We got our uh, 2011 Premiership reunion at the same game, so <laughs> to be able to fall on this, is, uh, it works out very well for all of us. But um, from a games perspective, I mean, you look at it, these two teams, I think, are head and shoulders above everyone else in the competition. I think Melbourne have a few more gears to go, and you know they're getting back their personnel and they're hitting the form at the right time of the year, where the Cats, for a long time, you know, we've always relied really heavily on a few players, and that's changed this year, and I think that's shown in the in, in the in the style of game and, and football that we're playing. So, look, I think this is uh, going to be a, a good preview into to what happens later on in the year, I think. Um, I, I clearly think these two are the best sides. So I'm looking forward to sitting back and and uh, reminiscing on 2011 but watching these uh, these two sides go at it. And um, I, I still think Geelong will be too good tomorrow. So, just on that, where, for you, is the advantage for the Cats? So, you've got the third best defence in Geelong up against the first best defence in terms of points against this year. Cats are number four offence, uh, Melbourne number six. They're not a heap separating these two teams, but Melbourne clearly on the numbers are a superior contested ball team. But with Paddy Dangerfield yep. back, that's going to really help out the Cats. So for you, where's the advantage for the Cats? Well, I think the, the advantage is the forward line, but I think with the midfields, if we start there, I mean, Paddy Dangerfield coming back last week, being able to eat into him, we haven't been able to ever do that with Paddy or Joel because of the fact that we haven't had people in the team to be able to take or fulfil the shoes that they normally wear. So to have Cam Guthrie play as well as he did last week and has for a long, long time. But I think the biggest part of the biggest part of the interim that's improved is Tom Atkins. Now, Tom Atkins gives mm. you something very, very different in the sense of he's just an absolute bull. Um, but also he's underrated with how much skill he has for, for a bull. So I love watching him play. He's actually my favourite player to watch at Geelong Footy Club. Um, one of the best human beings to come across in footy. But I think our forward line, I mean, do you have a look at that? If Paddy spends more time in the forward line, you've got the two best forwards in the competition in Jeremy Cameron um, and uh, Tommy Hawkins. And then you've got uh, Tyus down there as well doing his thing. That's a hard, hard forward line to contain. And, and given the ground that we play so well on, I find it hard to think that, that uh, Melbourne can uh, contain that forward line. So if we can actually you know, come out of the midfield duel you know, 50-50 um, and we can get into our forward lines as quick, the four line as quick as we can, it's going to be hard for Melbourne to stop us. So we thought that Brisbane would give Melbourne's defence a, a real headache and, and make Lever, May and Petty all have to be accountable for someone. How do you see Melbourne from the defensive point of view? How would you, how do you, are you expecting them to line up on this Cats forward line that's been so potent this year. And, and now, with you mentioned Tyson Stengel, has just given them an element that they haven't really ever had. The X-Factor small forward over the last couple of years, uh, someone to pick up your mantle, Matty, uh, and, and be that damaging player at ground level. I mean, he's in all-Australian contention at the moment, you'd think Tyson Stengel, and, and, and they can't really say over the last couple that they've had a small forward that's been as damaging as he's been. So how do you expecting Melbourne to cover? Well, I think the, the way Melbourne normally play well is, is the way that they can sort of hang off or drop off, um, you know, forward line players. I mean, look at Lever. Lever is, mm. you know, an exceptional player. And same with May to a certain degree. He beats his opponent, but he can also to uh, read the play and, and be able to, you know, come off his man. If you're going to do that against Jeremy Cameron and Tommy Hawkins, you're gonna get you're gonna get hurt. Um, so I think it's a it's a one on one matchup. I don't think you can afford to be able to unless you bring a, a you know a seventh defender um, to be able to cope with that. But I think yeah, I think Tyus gives us something that we haven't had for a long long time, and um, and that is a, a just a genuine game breaker. Um, and even last week with the game, without being disrespectful to North, 
the game was quite boring. And then all of a sudden in the second quarter, he did a few things which just livened the game and, and, um, and broke open a little bit. So to sit back, watch him play, especially what he's been through over the last couple of years, to be able to play the footy that he um, has been able to produce this year is a credit to himself and being able to get himself in the right frame of mind to be able to recommit to the game that he loves. All right. Well, what about the weakness for the Cats? Where where are you? What what's the area that concerns you coming up against the reigning premiers? I think what the only concern I have with our with our team at the moment is our defence. I think coming out of defence, if you give enough pressure on them, we don't have the greatest ball users coming out of there. I think we have serviceable players who are bloody really good at beating their opponents. With Tom Stewart out, who gives us that, shores us up with his delivery, his skills, and also to his um, his uh, decision-making. Without him in there, it just gives us one player down there that can actually just sort of, you know, keep calm and, and control the situation. With Melbourne, you know, they've got their own, you know, Cozzy Pickett, um, and their forward line is just as potent as ours. So if they can put pressure coming out of our back line, um, to our players coming out of our back line, there is a possibility of being able to turn the footy over and being able to get scored again. So that's probably, our, I think, our weakness at the moment. In saying that, I mean, our defenders... I've been I've been thinking sort of this way about our defenders for a while now, and they've been able to stand up in, in um, all situations across the year. So I am saying that's a weakness, but at the same time, I think it's something that we've improved on a quite a, a great deal. The uh, the loss of Tom Stewart though really hurts um, from a defensive point of view. I mean, again, he's another that you'd almost pencil him in for all Australian now, but um, he, he's got a, a lengthy spell. Um, and, and coming up against the reigning premiers, who, as I said, at one stage they'd gone back down to about eighth for scoring. They've now crept their way back up to sixth, so they're starting to find uh, their scoring mojo again. Um, it's pretty untimely, and it's going to leave a big hole, and, and it's going to be a lot tougher, obviously, to cover Melbourne's forward attack than it, has, than it was last week to cover North Melbourne's. Absolutely. I mean, he's... Uh, he's... He's an incredible player, and um, to think that he's only been in the league, I think, five years, um, and to be able to be as damaging as he, as he is, I think he's nearly Geelong's most important player. Um, and it probably didn't show too much last week because he played North. But, you know, against Melbourne, you know, um, Shark has been playing a little bit more forward, or he feels, seems like he's playing forward of centre a bit more. Um, I think, he's, you know, his um, score involvements have been through the roof. Um, and he's been incredible. Being, I think he's only 12 goals for the year, but his involvement's moving forward and, and being able to score on the back end of that has been pretty good. Um, so it's you know a timely you know miss for us um, with, with Tommy out. But what it does gives it gives it gives the other you know players in our defence to be able to stand up. You know Jake Collardasney, you know Busey was great last week. So these type of players have been able to stand up for long long uh, periods of time. But it just gives them a little bit more. I guess, uh, responsibility when it comes to our back line. But, yeah, he's going to be missed, and he will be missed over the next couple of, next couple of weeks. But also, too, there is a burden on him over the last probably couple of years to stand up to him. So to be able to um, give him a bit of a rest, even though it's uh, forced, um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's good for the other players to be able to stand up. So, Matty, the strengths for the Ds, and there are many, but might I suggest that uh, the Gorn and Jackson combo coming back in to the fray just to reacquaint themselves with the names Oliver Petrarca and Viney in the middle. Would it be fair to say that if I was going to ask you what's Melbourne's greatest strength, that might be one worth considering? Well, I don't think... I'm not the biggest lover of footy um, in a sense of watching a game from start to finish, but watching Jack Viney play um, is actually pretty nice to watch. I think it just reminds me of Selby when he was in his actually prime yep. of what he can do for a game and what he can make his teammates stand taller. But... Watching watching Gorn, Oliver and Petrarca, I mean, that's a combo I think that we haven't had since, you know, Cox 
know, Cousins, Kirk, um, and these types. And Jack, I mean, to have that, that group of players or personnel into your midfield, is it always gives you an advantage no matter who you're up against. So it's it's great to watch. And, you know, and Gorney uh, um, hopefully comes back this or I hope he doesn't come back. But if he does come back this week, it just gives him another dimension because, you know, like Jackson's come on and leaps and bounds. So that, um, that midfield group is as potent as I've seen for a long, long time. Matty, thanks so much for making the time. It was great to finally get you up, mate. Um, enjoy the reunion tomorrow uh, tomorrow night. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, look forward to having a chat to you later on in the year. Cheers, mate. All right, thanks very much. Uh, Matty Stokes, two-time uh, Geelong Premiership player. Great to have his take on what's to come tomorrow night. And I'd love to hear yours. one 736 736 Jack Viney was on uh, SEN earlier today uh, with Gary and Tim. We'll hear from him on the other side of this as well. On the Macca's run. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. You know, they've both got to get through uh, a training today, and I'm sure they're they're hopeful, pushing, putting uh, their best foot forward. Um, but you know, they do have a test today to to see if they're fit. Um, so it's it's touch and go. But I'm feeling feeling pretty good that um, I'll make it. So that was Jack Viney on SEM with Gary and Tim earlier today. I can tell you that. Geelong- can tell you that oh, we're having a good day uh, in here. Just for those who are trying to call in at the moment, uh, we're just having some phone issues. We are fixing those, so I can see the calls coming through. We're just having an issue being able to take them. We will get to you, though, ASAP. So keep trying to call in because I think we might have it fixed. I can see a couple of people calling through we weren't able to get to. Uh, just to let you know, though, that both captains, Joel Selwood and Max Gorn, are returning for tomorrow night's Blockbuster Sam DeConing is back. Luke Jackson is back. So some big names returning for probably the biggest home and away game we've seen this year. So in for the Cats, DeConing and Selwood. Narkolo admitted. Higgins, Amedi, Sub and Collar, Jasney. The concussion for Melbourne. Jackson, Gorn are back in. Wiedemann, Brown omitted. Tomlinson was the Medi Sub. Back on the other side of this uh, on the Macca's run for the big back. Uh, yes, indeed. Welcome back to the Macca's run. Great to have you on board. Um, I believe we've fixed our phone issue. So uh, Macca's Run is all about your say on the news of the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 That is the number on the Harcourts open line. For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. Uh, we do it all for Macca's with a special sauce and juicy beef. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. So we had Matty Stokes on a little earlier uh, from a Geelong perspective to preview uh, the massive clash tomorrow night. You'll hear it right here on AFL Nation. The best call team uh, in the business. Uh, the pipe will be there. Um, Hutto and Nick Dalsano as well to take you through uh, that game. Uh, cannot wait for this. I think we were we built ourselves up to very high expectations for Melbourne and Brisbane a couple of weeks ago. It didn't quite live up to the hype. Well, it didn't live up to the hype, except from a Melbourne point of view because they were back in a big, big way. Um, but these two teams come in, in in ripping Nick. And from what we understand now, and it was an interesting tile that Footy Classified showed during the week, that from here on out, the best team from this part of the year on um, in premiership years, um, you can see that the teams that have won premierships in recent years have been the best performed team in this part of the season from this point to the run home. So um, it's really where it starts to get serious. Um, and there's some demons for Geelong to exercise against um, the the demons with the preliminary final last year, the pantsing they got there, the uh, 40 points uh, up at halftime only to lose with the kick after the siren. So um, there's a bit more to play from you from Jack Viney's chat earlier today uh, and a couple that have come off the text. Uh, Hi, Sam. Apparently the Cats gave away their home game 
uh, to Essendon, but they should have given away this round 17 home game to the D's as they are playing two home games against the D's two years running to make it fair as the AFL should have taken this into account by not awarding them both home games in consecutive years. Tony from Thornbury. So that's one that comes up a fair bit when it comes to the, the, the fixture and uh, the idiosyncrasies of the fixture and how the, uh, the fixture might not just be as fair as it could be, um, where if you can fix that up in maybe a 26-round a 26 26 season, that you would play uh, everyone one and a half times uh, a year and then you would flip it over with who got the home game um, from, from each time to the next. Um, I don't have a problem with Geelong wanting to keep their home game at their home ground. I think that's why you have a home ground, to play your home games at it. Um, I understand that we want to get as many people to the footy as possible, but let's be honest, we haven't been. So I'm just not sure why Geelong should give up one of their allocated home games just because some people want it to be held at the MCG. I mean, that's you. they, they, they are a Geelong team. They play their home games in Geelong. You know, we don't, we're, they're the only team in the AFL that we can continually ask to give up their home games just because they're the, of their proximity to Melbourne. Melbourne's not their home. Geelong is its own city. Why do we continue to ask Geelong or demand Geelong? Why do we continue to have this be in our bonnet about them getting home games? Yeah, their stadium's going under construction uh, at the moment, so you can't get as many in there as possible, but you can still get a crowd in there. It's still playable at the ground. So why are we continuing to ask them? And even when their stadium is built and it's going to be about 40,000, we'll still have this chat. There'll still be people saying that Geelong have got to get rid of their home games. And I don't understand why. Do we ask any other team to do this? Is there any other team that we ask to continually give up home games because we just hate the fact that they have them? And maybe for Victorian teams, is it just maybe upsets a few of us that we don't you know, we've moved away from our spiritual homes and, and that we don't have the, whether it be the Glen Ferries or the Windy Hills anymore or the Witten Ovals. Well, the AFLW does have that there and so too at Moorabbin. But it's always perplexed me as to why we continually want to demand Geelong give up home games. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 736 Brad from Clyde North. It'll be interesting to see how Melbourne play Jeremy Cameron because Lever and May don't like to push up the ground and Cameron has the engine uh, to move up and down the ground. Brad, you could be onto something there. That could be very much why um, he's got that licence to run and to roam now. That could be exactly why that he's moving into the midfield. Just they might have identified a way in which they can get an advantage or exploit that particular aspect of the best defence in the competition. Let's be honest, to, to beat the best, you've got to come up with something, don't you? This is what coaches get paid to do. Coaches get paid to come up with a strategy, with a tactic, and maybe Jeremy Cameron moving him up the ground into the middle might just disrupt things inside Ford 50 for Melbourne. So do they care, Melbourne? Will their defence take the bait? Or will they just stay at home and say, no, no, we're not coming to you. We'll just pick you back up when you come back in. In the meantime, we'll just set ourselves up uh, as we have done and uh, as we like to do. Uh, just repeating the teams, um, if you have just tuned in, um, Sam DeConing, Joel Selwood are back for Geelong. Quinton Narkle's been omitted. Higgins was a medical sub and Jake Collar-Jasney out with concussion. Um, Luke Jackson, Max Gorn are back. Those are massive ins for both teams. Um, literally and figuratively. Uh, Wiedemann has been omitted. Just can't seem to get a crack at it, Sam Wiedemann, can he? 
They've got issues inside Ford 50. You'd think that maybe giving him an extended run at it could be beneficial, but they've got to find a way to get Jackson and Gorn back in. Uh, Brown's been omitted as well, and Tomlinson has been uh, the medical sub. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Can't remember being this excited about a home and away game for quite some time. Um, just on um, Melbourne, Jack Viney was asked today what caused their slip-up, those three losses in a row. I think we just slipped in in multiple areas, and it's it's hard to get a really clear picture when you're, you're drifting slightly. You know, we'd won you know, 10, 10 in a row. Um, then you lose one and you, you kind of like, you know, is it just a one-off kind of thing or have we really, you know, drifted away from what we, um, you know, what, what we're good at? Um, and then, you know, you lose your third in the row and I think the picture becomes pre- pretty clear. Uh, so that was Jack Viney on to, as to why Melbourne slipped up as they did in those three losses in a row. Uh, Paul's calling in West Brunswick. So our phone lines are back in operational. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Good day, Paul. Uh, good day, Sam. Look, congratulations. Finally, someone's talking some common sense about Geelong and the home ground. Um, the rubbish that Geelong receives about, you know, the fact that they go down there, and it is their spiritual home. And, yes, they are very lucky that they've had some support to stay there and all that sort of stuff. But that is, that is just so true that you know like the other clubs would love that but they've got their home grounds and now they're Marvel and MCG and they can play them the way they like. Secondly though we now Geelong have our best back line in this week with Sam DeConey Colin Jasney is our seventh backman um, Henry's back you know we're, we're going to be nearly a top 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 um our priorities are all right now with our back line, forward line. And if we were not good enough against the Ds this week, I've got doubts that we might be good enough in the finals. Yeah, I think the only... the only um, It's not an excuse, but I, but I think Tom Stewart is a, as significant an out as Geelong can have. I would almost think that he's their most important player. Um, for everything that he provides in defence. He's the linchpin of it for what he does from an intercept point of view. He can play one-on-one if he needs to. He gets bulk possessions and provides a lot of counter-attack from there. He, he's a he's essentially almost the the, the, the the perfect defender in a lot of ways because he can do it all. Um, and I, so I think he's as significant an out, Paul, as, as you'll get. So, I, so much so that I actually had tipped Geelong to win until he was out. I would have gone with Geelong to win this game, but with him out, I actually swing back to, to Melbourne now and, and think that even though they're, they're only six in the competition for scoring, without Tom Stewart, it'll make their lives a hell of a lot easier to be able to kick a, a score um, against a side that's going to kick a score themselves. Um, hey, thanks for the call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the number. Um, fascinating chat that Craig McRae has um, with... Andy and Gazy every time that he comes into the studio. It's tremendous access uh, that we get. He had some fascinating things to talk about in terms of footy. And I, and I want to get you that audio in a moment. But essentially, he said today that they're in the entertainment industry. He said every time and the way that he wants to play, and he's brought this from Richmond. He said, so Richmond have been doing this for a long time. He wants Collingwood to do it as well. He wants people to want to come and see them play. 
So this isn't just about wins and losses for Craig McRae. It's about putting on a style of footy that you're drawn to, that you're attracted to, that you, you are entertained by, excited by, and it is enjoyable to watch. And I just thought that was such a hyper-aware thing to say from a coach who's in, clearly very, very smart and and would be right in the thick of it for the conversation for the coach of the year for what he's done with the Collingwood Footy Club. But to hear a coach now, and I think most coaches are starting to to swing this way and to turn this way, that, that it is an entertainment industry that we are in and you have to put bums on seats and you have to put eyeballs on a screen and you don't do that with stodgy defence and defending with ball in hand and all that kind of stuff. No one really enjoys watching that. You died in the wool fans, and which you are and I am, we'll watch it. Of course we will. We'll always be there. But how do you make sure that those who float in and out of footy a bit, it might not be their number one priority in terms of how they spend their entertainment dollar, how do you make sure that they say, no, if I've got some time and I've got some folding stuff, that's where I'm spending it, and that's where I'm spending it, the time and the money. Uh, so it was fascinating to hear him make that acknowledgement and then what they do um, in response to that. He also had this update on Darcy Moore. And what, what, what about Darcy? How The report seems like it, as good as you could would have wanted given the look of the injury because on, on the telly, it did not look good. No, it didn't. And, and, and live, I sort of watched it, and then I watched the replay at, at the ground, and I was sort of, oh, no, you, know, you got your heart in mm. mouth and just – Want the best for the player, and then yeah, we've got work to do. We had two minutes to go to try to win the game or hold on to the game. So, but um, yeah, good result. Like scans reveal that he's got no ligament damage and and no structural damage. So, um, yeah, he's a sneaky chance to play this week. This week, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's got to he's got to get through yeah. a few hoops yet. But um, yeah, we'll see how we go. He hasn't trained this week and he's a bit sore. But we'll we'll see what progresses tomorrow. That's great. That's yeah. fantastic news mm. for Collingwood supporters if it comes to pass. So that is absolutely massive that Darcy Moore, after that hyperextension against the Suns, might, might be available to play this weekend. Jeez, we, I mean, I don't think she'll mind me saying this, but the beautiful Evie was pretty much in tears when she saw Darcy Moore go down in the manner that he did and what that might have meant for their season. Um, so if he's able to to come back to play and, and be anywhere near at, um, we're not, you know, no one's really at 100% this time of the year, but if he's able to, provide anywhere near the output that he has for this season and for his career, then um, that is going to be a massive boost to making sure that they continue on in the manner that they have uh, in that search for a top eight spot. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Just some coming through off the text in regards to Geelong uh, and the home game. Cats have got the biggest advantage of any club in the league. Solo home ground, but don't have to travel like the other non-Melbourne teams do. Let's not have a pity party for the Silver Spoon Cats. I wasn't aware that the Cats don't travel. Is that a thing? I'll have to go back and look at the draw. I'm fairly sure they do go and play the interstate teams at their home grounds when they're scheduled to. Um, Agreed, Sam. It's Geelong's choice. Maybe they should consider playing at the G to gain experience facing the Ds where the grand final is played. Um, They have seen the MCG a lot. The AFL does make them play some games there. They play their uh, Easter Monday clash at the MCG, which uh, even when it's a home game for them, they play that against the Hawks. Uh, on Easter Monday. Hey, Sammy, I've always said Geelong operators, Victoria's equivalent to an interstate team with the boutique home ground that it plays with all other Melbourne clubs sharing two other grounds. This is where the angst comes from, in my opinion. Um, that's from Marty. Marty, if it was a Melbourne team that was getting to play all of its games at its home ground, which, by the way, there are plenty that do because they picked which ground they wanted to play at, and some have played at the same home ground for ever and a day since Moses was playing thirds for Menangatang, um, or Methuselah was playing thirds for Menangatang. Um, 
but they're not in Melbourne. They're in Geelong. I think once you, we establish that fact, then I reckon the conversation pretty much stops after that, doesn't it? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'm a Melbourne supporter. Geelong absolutely should keep their home games in Geelong, including finals games. That's come through off the text as well. Uh, that's fine. As a Collingwood supporter, I'd be happy to play an away game in Geelong, but Geelong can't have it both ways and try to play some home games at the MCG to maximise the money they make against big Victorian clubs. Um, that's from Salim uh, from Shepparton. Salim, I'm fairly sure, and I'm happy to, to be told I'm wrong, that that's an AFL mandate, that there are some Geelong games that they say, no, no, that one's being played at the MCG. Um, that that's the uh, they've done that in conjunction with the AFL who are keen for them to play those games. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Plenty more to get you up to speed on uh, from around the day. Uh, thanks for your patience too. We've had some uh, just a little bit of uh, technical drama today, and uh, therefore it's been a little bit clunky. But we're uh, off and sailing now. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text temper mattress like no other. This is the Macca's run with a special sauce and juicy beef. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. In fact, that's what you're going to do. Yep, I would. I would. I think that uh, I think he's got them organised and they're playing a brand of football that holds up and they've got some really good talent coming through and um, he's done the hard yards. He's hung in there uh, under enormous pressure at the beginning of this year. And if you're satisfied and happy with him right now, which they should be, given what they've been able to complete this year, I see no reason why he wouldn't extend his contract for another two years. So that was Gary and Tim earlier this morning speaking about Stuart Jew and, uh, well, didn't they preempt something? Uh, Stuart Jew, it was officially announced today that uh, he had re-signed and had been re-signed um, by the Gold Coast Suns for another two years. So it's a great story, this one. The, the spectre of Alistair Clarkson looming since probably midway through last year, the conversation was the AFL want Alistair Clarkson on the Gold Coast um, they'll push really hard to get him on the Gold Coast and it just might be bad luck uh, for Stewie Jew. And with all that sort of looming in the background, um, they're on the cusp of having their best ever season uh, under Stuart Jew, who started there in 2018. I think this is a fantastic win for, for um, I think, for loyalty. I think it's a fantastic win for believing that sometimes you can't just snap your fingers and everything will be as you want it to be. Sometimes things take time. Um, it doesn't all just happen in a blink of an eye. And, and sometimes you have to have a little bit of patience to get to where you want to go. And it might be a good lesson for some other clubs at the moment who are all screaming blue and white murder, could I say, um, and demanding that a year and a half and just over a year and a half into uh, a tenure that, no, this is not good enough, it's not working, uh, throw the, you know, um, throw the baby out with the bathwater. We've seen teams do that to their detriment and we've seen teams stay the course and have success. I think there's more examples of of there being success in staying the course than there has been with being erratic in your decision-making and panicking under scrutiny. I think it's a good lesson. And well done to the Gold Coast Suns for not buckling, um, for, for, for backing in Stuart Jew, and well done to Stuart Jew and the players for um, getting to a place where they hadn't, you know, where, where he, you just couldn't not sign him. It's a, it's a wonderful testament to him. He was on with Andy and Gazy uh, earlier on this afternoon, sen.com.au to hear the full chat. But I reckon it's a great lesson in, in, in loyalty and belief and backing in the plan that you put in place and seeing a plan through. 
we're so quick to get spooked and panicked. I wonder if there's a lesson for a few other clubs uh, in there, in amongst all of that. Fog's on the road. Who wants to speak about the Cats' home ground? G'day, Fog. G'day. I'll, uh, I'll preface what, what I'm about to say about the Cadenia Stadium. I've been down there twice. I've seen that I'm a D's man. Um, I've seen them win in 15, and I saw them get belted the next year by 100 points. My take on uh, Geelong's home ground is that, I mean, if you look over the course of history, they normally don't play the big four clubs. I mean, that changes year to year. And then you can take out the last couple of years because of COVID. They normally get these smaller clubs, Melbourne, like, over an exception, kind of now, because we've won a flag, and now people make a, a bit of a noise about it. But traditionally, you could almost guarantee as a Melbourne supporter, we'd have to go to Geelong every year, regardless of the, however the fixture looks. I mean, the big four clubs never go there. They play interstate teams there. In my opinion, you know, they should be treated as an interstate club, Geelong. And if, you know, you can't be sort of half and half. You know, if they, if they just want to have finals there... And, that's the home ground. Make them play every game there, but like don't don't say, oh, we want to we want to have a couple of big games at the G, but then we want the weak clubs down at the other one so we can get easy wins. And another thing, they get to train on their home ground. I mean, how many clubs these days have their own, you know, ground they train and play on? I mean, they're basically an interstate club. I mean, you don't hear of MCG tenants getting to train at the G. God forbid you like take out a pair of scissors and cut a, bra- a blade of glass, grass, not glass, at Eddie had. I mean, it's a massive advantage having your own ground. Oh, I, I, I just don't buy into that fog. Um, with all due respect, these are professional players. If if your performance rises and falls off the back of where you train and uh, and where you play, geez, we've got a long way to go before we we are as professional as I thought we were. Um, people are pointing out that their ground's not the deme- not anywhere near the same dimensions as the MCG, and we often point to interstate clubs saying, well, why don't they make their ground and train on dimensions that are the same as the MCG? Because when it comes to finals, you've got to win them on the MCG. So we say that's a disadvantage for other clubs that don't have um, that access to the MCG, but now we're saying it's an advantage for the Cats. Um, it's sort of a bit of... I find that a bit ironic. It's a bit inconsistent, our, our line of thinking sometimes, um, with all that. Um, we, they're the oldest or they're in the top couple of oldest clubs in the competition. They're not in Melbourne. They're based in Geelong. Um, if we're still in a day and age where just because they get to... It, at the end of the day, it's a patch of grass. Where you train is a patch of grass. Now, call me naive. That, that could be the most ridiculous thing and maybe some ex-players are better positioned than I. But I can't fathom how in this era that where you, what you train on dictates you know, your ability to make finals. Um, but I but but I could be proven wrong on that, and I'm happy to take arguments on it. And Fog, I I, I greatly appreciate you taking the call. I love the debate uh, on this stuff. Um, hey, Michael and Andrew, stay right there. We're just coming up to the uh, top of our break, and then Sporting Capital. I'll get you straight up on the other side of this. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. So Geelong, by the way, article, I'm looking at an article now in 2019 where uh, Brian Cook was really pushing hard for them to play more games. Um, at home, so it's it's not it's not on them the ones that they play at the MCG um, that the AFL are keen on them to do that. Um, but it's an interesting discussion too, and one that always um, has people a little bit fired up. And so I love all that. We'll continue it after this. 
G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.